Our scripture reading today is taken from the 10th chapter of the letter to the Romans. If you care to follow along in your, uh, in your pew, the, this reading is in the New Testament section on page 122. Romans 10, 1 through 17. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I can testify that they have a zeal for God, but it is not based on knowledge. Not knowing the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. For Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Salvation is for all. Moses writes concerning their righteousness that comes from the law that the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart, leading to righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, leading to salvation. The scriptures says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all have obeyed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you all here this morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I'm really excited about today because we're starting a new sermon series. We were supposed to be having our big Harvest Festival today. Um, and maybe some of you who are members or regular attenders, you got an email or a text informing you that we're postponing that. So I just want to get that out there real fast that we are going to postpone that a couple weeks uh, until October 9th. So just mark that in your calendars. I'll talk more about that later. Uh, but I'm excited because we're going to jump into this new teaching series, Transformed, How God Changes us and how he makes us new. Uh, but before we jump into the teaching, uh, today is uh, September 11th. It's 21 years uh, since those, the horrible terrorist attacks on the Twin Towers and uh, the countless lives that were uh, ruined that day and the name of fear and violence. And so I do want to just take a moment uh, right now before we jump into the teaching uh, just to have some silence and reflection and uh, say a prayer for 
the victims and their families and the first responders and for peace. Um, so let's just take a moment and spend some time in prayer for them. Well, Lord, this morning we do remember the uh, terrorist attacks uh, 21 years ago, and we, uh, Lord, we mourn uh, with those who mourn uh, that this day is incredibly hard for a countless number of people who lost loved ones, whose lives were changed. Um, so, Lord, we pray for those victims, and we ask you, Lord, that you would bless their memories, uh, that you would welcome them into your kingdom. Lord, we pray for the first responders who have worked so tirelessly to serve our communities and those first responders who served on that day and so many who died. Um, Lord, we pray that you would bless them and their families. Uh, we ask you, Lord, that you would bless all of our first responders, even to this day, um, in our communities as well. Lord, we, uh, we pray against those who would use fear and violence um, against us, against each other, uh, in order to uh, have their way and build their empires. Um, Lord, we ask that you would let justice roll down, uh, that, you would, uh, that you would put an end to uh, the fear and violence of our world and that you would bring peace. And so, Lord, help us always remember that you are our source of life, that you are our source of goodness, and help us turn to you in the darkest of times. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, as I said, we're starting this new sermon series called Transformed, and we're going to spend about seven weeks or so, uh, starting this week all the way up until Reformation Sunday at the end of October, uh, looking at all these different ways that God makes us new. Uh, if you've been around New Life for a while, you've probably heard our mission and vision statement. It's transformed hearts, transformed lives, transformed community, and transformed world. We believe that God is in the business of making things new. He's in the business of reviving and renewing believers, and he's in the business of bringing uh, people who are far from him into his fold through the proclamation of the gospel and through the work of uh, our congregation and congregations in our community. Uh, we believe that God is in the business of transforming how we think and feel about ourselves and our world, and he changes how we act in our world. He changes our community through our efforts to spread the gospel and to alleviate those who are hurting. And then he also transforms the world uh, by the work of missionaries all over the place. So we believe that God is in this business of making all things new. In fact, that's why our church is called New Life. Our church was founded on the belief that God makes things new, that he can revive us, he can renew us, he can invite us into his family, and he can change our lives. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time talking about that. And as we head into the series, I want us to think a little bit about the stories that we tell about ourselves and about others. You know, stories are super important uh, to us. They define who we are. They define our identity. Some of the stories that we tell are about our heritage or ancestry. Maybe we live on a plot of land that was our grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents. Maybe our families uh, homesteaded this area or homesteaded different places in the country and we are proud of that work that they did and now here you are. That story informs you what you do, how you make decisions. Uh, maybe your story's not as good. Maybe the story that you tell about yourself is someone who was 
brought up in a home where there was trauma and maybe abuse or alcoholism, and that story informs who you are. And so these stories tell us how to act and how to think and how to go about our lives. And as we look out in our community, we look out in our society, there's a, a story that I think is getting told, especially on social media. I don't know if you're involved in social media, uh, but if you're like hanging out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, these kinds of things, there's a definite story that's being told. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but this is how the story goes. If you buy this product, or if you go on, if you download this diet app, or if you just talk uh, positively about yourself, your life will be better. That story sound familiar? Maybe you have friends and family who are selling things to you all the time. I know I have some friends that are doing that, and I'm like, hey, stop talking to me, right? I don't, don't care, right? But we, our world right now, especially the world of social media that is used by so many millions, even billions of people around the world, it is just full of things like pop psychology that tells you things of like, no, you need to say daily affirmations about yourself. Only talk well about yourself. You are good enough. You are right. You have what it takes. It's full of things like astrology that try to explain your behavior because of the day that you were born. And you're like, oh, just a Virgo thing, right? I'm just stubborn because I'm a Virgo. And I'm like, no, you're just a bad person, right? Like, it's not, it's not because of your sign. It's just because you're kind of rotten. Is that too mean? Is that, not, is that not nice enough? We have all these things, and we have products that are getting pushed. We have ideas that are getting pushed. We have psychology that's getting pushed. And you know what? Things are great. I like shopping. I like buying things. You know what? Psychology is great. There are so many things that we can learn from psychologists who are studying hard on how the human psyche works and how brains operate. There are good things that we can learn from them, but the stories that are being told are really, really self-centered. If you just say this about yourself, if you just believe this about yourself, if you just buy this product, if you are just aware of what sign or this and that thing about it, then you will have a full and happy life. Does this story sound familiar? Maybe you have some people in your life who are believing these kinds of stories. The problem with stories like this is that they never end well. You always get to some point. Sometimes it's out of boredom, so then you stop selling whatever oils you're selling, or you stop being interested in whatever psychologist you're following at the time. Sometimes it ends in ruin, where you try as hard as you can to make your life better, and things still go south. Things still go really, really bad. These stories never end the way that we want them to. They never give us what is promised. And I can tell you that I've experienced this in my own life. Even as a pastor, having the benefit of years of studying scripture and years of focusing on a God's work in the life of people, even I've fallen victim to this story of, well, if I just do this, if I just do that, if I just try this thing, if I just do that thing, then things will get better. And as I've shared before, it really, it ended in a really dark place in my, my family's life. So these stories don't quite get us where we need to go. 
And especially for Christians, I think sometimes we can get in trouble because we even baptize these stories in the name of Jesus. But it's still the same story. And that's actually what Paul is dealing with here in Romans chapter 10. And this is what he says right at the beginning, verses 2 and 3. I can testify that they have zeal for God, but it is not enlightened. Uh, so Paul's this they that he's talking about are Israelites. These are Jewish, uh, the Jewish community that is worshiping Yahweh, worshiping uh, the God of Israel, worshiping the true God. He says they have zeal for God, but it is not enlightened. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. So these faithful people, this faithful community of worshipers of the true God, they did not have righteousness because they tried to establish their own righteousness. We know from the Gospels there was a particular story that the Israelites were telling themselves. And the story goes something like this. God has chosen us, and if we just follow God's law, he's given us his laws, he's given us the benefit of his presence in the temple, and if we just follow his laws close enough, we will have peace, and we will have prosperity, and our nation will be rebuilt. That was the story that the Israelites were telling themselves. We know that by the conversations Jesus had with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees, with his own disciples, with the crowds, the story that they were saying was, if we follow the law close enough, if we obey all these commands, if we seek the Lord, if we're passionate and zealous enough, things will turn out well for us. And that is also a story that many Christians tell themselves. If I'm just passionate enough, if I just have enough zeal, if I just work hard enough to obey God's commands, then I will be righteous. Paul seems to indicate here that that's actually a way that we establish our own righteousness. And so one of the challenges today for believers, for those of you who follow Jesus, part of the challenge today is gonna be that even our best laid plans, even our intentions, good intentions, do not make us righteous. And Paul continues here in verse four, for Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Uh, Paul says there that Christ is the end. That word means like the completion, the fulfillment of, that Christ has come and he fulfilled the law and he actually closed it and brought it to an end so that everyone who believes may be righteous. So the Israelites were telling themselves their own story, but as we know after Jesus, as we read about how Jesus talked about these Old Testament stories and this Old Testament witness, as we read from Paul and the other apostles in the New Testament about how they read the Old Testament witness, what we realize is the laws and the commands and all the work that God gave the Israelites to do, it was never intended to actually be done by the Israelites. That actually the point of the Old Testament is to show that humans are unable to follow even the most clear, specific directions that God gives. Think about it this way. If you read through the Old Testament, God is very specific. He says, hey, if your donkey falls into a well on the Sabbath, this is exactly 
what you're supposed to do. Hey, if there's a foreigner who comes into your land and they're traveling through and they're looking for work, this is exactly what you're supposed to do. He gave them very clear directions for their day-to-day life and they still couldn't fulfill them. They were unable to follow. And so now as we're reading the Old Testament, we read through and we read about the, uh, just the faithlessness of the people of God. We read about even the heroes of our faith, Abraham and Moses and David. We read through their life and we think, oh my goodness, these people are messed up. They can't obey God. They keep getting it wrong. And the whole point is to elicit this desire for God to rescue us. The law is a mirror, Paul says, and it shows us our faults. It shows us that we're unable to be righteous on our own, that we need somebody. We need the Messiah to come and rescue us. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He came to rescue us even though we're not able to. And Paul reemphasizes this point in verse six and seven. He says, the righteousness that comes from faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. We go back to verse six. The righteousness that comes from faith says, do not say in your hearts, who will ascend into heaven? He's saying that this idea of having righteousness that comes from faith, true righteousness, it is not the type of righteousness that says, I need to get up to heaven in order to bring Christ down. He says the righteousness that comes from the law, the righteousness that comes from trying to build our own righteousness, it's as silly and foolish as saying, I'm gonna go up to heaven and bring Jesus down. Or, I'm going to grab Jesus from the earth and I'm going to walk him up to heaven. Trying to assume that we can do it ourselves, that we can somehow reach in deep inside of us and somehow pull out this life change is as silly as saying, I'm going to go up to heaven and bring Jesus down to earth. So the righteousness that comes from faith, which we'll get to in a little bit, it says, do not say in your heart, I have to do this work. Do not say in your heart, I have to do the work of Jesus by bringing him down and raising him up. That's the righteousness that comes from our own hearts, our own human weakness. And so Paul says this truth, this story now that's being told is this, that I can't be right that no matter how hard I try, I always seem to fail. That as all my best intentions and best passion and best work, it's kind of foolish. It's like I'm trying to climb up into heaven and pull Jesus down, or trying to pull Jesus up into heaven. It just doesn't work. Now that seems like bad news to us initially. To the world, certainly, that sounds like bad news. Because we live in a world where the story is, you are enough, you are good enough, if you just trust yourself more, if you just dig down deep in yourself, 
you'll find the healing, the energy, and the success that you need and you want in your life. And I'm always like, what happens when you don't find the healing or the energy or the success? Because I don't know about you, but I know in my own life, I have tried to do this work of just, if I just pull myself up by my bootstraps, if I just dig down deep enough in myself, I'll find what I need. And as I opened up the bag, it was empty. I didn't have what it took. I hit rock bottom, unable to do the things that I needed to do. I looked inside my life, inside my own heart, and there was not health, and there was not energy, and there was not success. And so then the story gets flipped, and Paul says this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When pop psychology, when astrology, when multi-level marketing, when all the oils and apps and workout regimens and all those things fail, when we cannot be saved by these things, Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The invitation here is to stop looking in our own bag for what we need. The invitation here is to stop trying to dig down deep into ourselves, but instead to get outside of ourselves and to call on somebody else's name, specifically the name of Jesus. That when we call on him, when we get out of our own head and we get out of our own heart and we get out of our own stuff and we look to Jesus, that's when we're saved. That's when we're given the kind of life, the full life, the joyful life that every single one of us desires and longs for. When we stop trying to find it within ourselves and we call on Jesus, he has the life, we don't. Jesus in John chapter 10 says, I have come so that humans can have life and life to the fullest. He wants to give us life. He wants to give us a full life, full of the fruit of the Spirit, full of goodness and joy and peace. He wants to give us that, but we have to look outside of ourselves and look to him. Paul continues on, but how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? You see, the way that we are saved, the way that we are given life and life to the full is by hearing a different story. Hearing the story of Jesus. Hearing the hard truth that you're not good enough, but Jesus is. By hearing that story of if I try to search down as deep as I can, I'm still going to get it wrong, and hearing the story of if I turn to Jesus, he's gonna give me life and life to the fullness, that's how we're saved, is by hearing this proclaimed to us, which is exactly what we do in the church. The church is a community of people, and all we're doing is we're busy reminding each other and proclaiming the gospel to each other. This is all that we do. 
We talk to each other, we, we grieve with each other, we celebrate with each other, and we remind one another of the work of Jesus Christ. We remind one another when we're down and we're out, we don't feel like we can go anymore, hey, it's okay, because Jesus is good enough for you. You may not be able to do that, but Jesus is good enough for you. I'm sorry this is going on in your family. Jesus is good enough for you. That's exactly what we're doing here week in and week out. Because here's the truth. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who turns their attention away from themselves and receives the gifts of Jesus Christ, they will have them, and they will be saved. And so this is the story, that God has created us for life, for a full life, for a life bursting at the brim with the Holy Spirit, a life of the fruit of the Spirit, a life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. God has designed us for that life. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds like a good life to me. Because I could use a little bit more of those things in my life. And the story is that you cannot have these things on your own. But Jesus has them for you. And by turning away from yourself, and trusting in him, you have it too. You have life and life eternal that forever you get to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. That forever you get to live knowing the work of Jesus Christ. That forever you get to live with the freedom of knowing that you're not good enough, but Jesus is good enough for you. So this morning, I know that there's uh, some of you in this room that have been following Jesus for a long time. Uh, I know that there are some of you that are, uh, that you are faithful and that you are receptive, um, that you know a lot of these things that we're talking about today. But here's what we believe is that the Lord can revive and renew us. And that sometimes, even when we are following Jesus, things get stale. Things get a little weak. We begin to get our attention pulled from one side to the other, and this morning I wanna offer you the opportunity to know that Jesus is in the business of reviving and renewing, that he has life for you and life eternal, that if you do not have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, if maybe you feel bitter and angry and upset, he has life for you, a life of peace and joy and patience. And maybe there are some of you in here that don't know Jesus, uh, maybe you've heard about him, maybe you've been to church a few times, maybe you've just, whatever, done your thing. And I want to offer you an opportunity uh, to get to know Jesus for the first time. I want to offer you the opportunity that by hearing his story, that he has uh, been incarnate, he became human, he has died for us, and he has resurrected for us, that you too can have the Holy Spirit, and you too can have life to the full. Um, so I just want to have us spend a little time in prayer right now. Um, and wherever you are, right, if you're feeling maybe that you need the fruit of the Spirit, that you are at the end of your rope, um, and you are a believer, I want to give you that time to uh, have that conversation with the Lord, um, to give up on yourself, 
and to turn toward Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, um, I wanna offer you the opportunity to receive his gifts this morning. And so, uh, yeah, so let's pray. Lord, we recognize this morning that you are king, that you are our Lord, and that in you is life. And in you is the kind of life that we're longing for. And so, Lord, even though we have made our confession earlier in the service, we uh, confess again at this time that we have not been able to manage our own life. And, uh, Lord, for those of us who have walked with you for years, uh, forgive us for our blindness. Forgive us for our weakness. Forgive us for hearing your gospel week in and week out and having hard hearts. Lord, for those of us who know you but do not feel the full life that you promised, uh, Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts. Make yourself known to us. Remind us of your word. And Lord, we receive the life that you have for us. Lord, for those of us um, in this room who don't know you, um, or maybe know of you, or know you a little bit, but haven't uh, really received what you have for us. Um, Lord, I pray for those people that you would open their hearts to your word. And Lord, we receive your promises. We trust in you, knowing that it's not by our might, not by our power, Lord, uh, that we are saved or lived our lives. But instead, Lord, it is by your grace and your mercy. So, Lord, forgive us for our hardness. Fill us with your spirit. Make us your children so that we may have the fruit of the spirit, that we may have a life abounding in love. And Lord, as we end our time hearing the scripture and having an opportunity to respond to it, we uh, continue in our prayers, Lord, asking that you would guide us and direct us and give us your life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, I uh, lift up to you um, our country and our state and its leaders. Uh, Lord, I ask for uh, President Biden, for Governor Pritzker, for our senators and representatives, for our local officials, Lord, that you would give them grace and wisdom. Lord, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, uh, that they uh, may lead in just and merciful ways. Uh, Lord, we pray that uh, you would uh, guide them into all truth. Um, and Lord, that our state and our country uh, would be a place that uh, knows you and um, honors you. 
Uh, Lord, at this time, we lift up our service members to you. We ask for peace uh, for their benefit, Lord, that uh, you would rescue them from danger, uh, that you would rescue them from harm. Uh, Lord, for our service members and our veterans, I ask you that you would provide them with the resources they need uh, to have spiritual and emotional and physical health. Uh, Lord, uh, we do pray for peace around the world and ask you, Lord, that you would um, turn the hearts of our world leaders toward you and that you would bring about uh, peace so that uh, your name may be glorified and the name of Jesus may be known. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Uh, Lord, for our church leadership, um, we, we ask for your help and for your salvation, Lord. Uh, for myself, for Pastor Phil, uh, for Kelsey and Danny and Patrick and Caitlin, uh, Lord, I ask that you would continue to lead and guide us, uh, that you would help us abound in love as we lead and serve this congregation. Uh, Lord, we lift up Pastor Drew and his family to you as we look forward to their arrival here in just a few weeks. Um, Lord, please uh, keep them safe as they travel. Uh, help them prepare well, and Lord, help us welcome them uh, in a way that honors you, in a way that honors them when they arrive. And Lord, I lift up our leadership team to you. I ask that you would continue to give your Holy Spirit, uh, continue to guide and lead them in all wisdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Lord, for our church family and community, we pray. For John and Dessa Caravan as they recover from COVID, for Chrissy Smith and her health, for Carol Sisson and her health, for Eleanor Dale and her health and rehab, for Lori Barogan's grandson as he recovers from COVID, for Janice Eisenman and uh, her granddaughters, uh, we ask you, Lord, as they recover from COVID, that you would be with them. For the Devers family, for the passing of Junior, for Kenny Hampton and her surgery recovery, for Norris Crozier and his health, uh, we ask that you would uh, be with him. For Louis Freiberg and his health and his upcoming tests and scans, we pray, Lord, for some uh, good results there. And finally, Lord, for the Iski family, um, for the death of Jacob, the tragic death of Jacob, uh, we ask, Lord, for those who are suffering from the death of loved ones, that you would help them grieve well, uh, Lord, but that you would also comfort them uh, with the comfort that only you can give. Uh, we ask you, Lord, that you would help them cling to your promises of resurrection. Lord, for all those who are uh, healing and in need of, of health, Lord. Uh, we know that you are the great physician, so heal them, Lord. Uh, and we pray, Lord, that you would bless the doctors and the surgeons and the nurses and assistants and administrators and everybody in between, Lord, uh, your hands and feet uh, as you do your work of healing through them. We pray that you would bless them as well. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commit all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.